So we are finishing up, wrapping up our February series today and our February series has been called Enough About Me. And in this series, we have been around this big idea that your life is more than just you. In fact, there is this importance that we're, we have to make sure that we're not just living for ourselves. It's very easy to do. So we're gonna jump right in. I'm excited. I feel like the Lord is gonna speak to us today. That's always the prayer. So if you'll stand with me one more time, just in reading the word, in honor of the word, I'm gonna be in Mark chapter 12. I'm reading verses 28 through 34. It'll be on the screens as well. And this is what it says. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is, he, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. The second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all of your heart, with all of your understanding, with all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. The title of my message this morning is called, where is your focus? Let's pray together. Lord, we love you, God. You are so good and we just worship you, Lord. What, a, what an incredible opportunity we have, Lord, to just worship you. And Lord, we just ask as we spend the next several minutes in your word, would you transform us? And Lord, I pray for each and every person that's in this room, God, would our hearts be good soil so that the word would be planted and that it would bear fruit in our life. So God, you have access today. God, show us and change us. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. So the question today is, where is your focus? Two weeks ago today, actually, we were sitting in service and I was getting ready to go um, on a flight to Mexico. In fact, I just got back a week ago from today. And so um, we had been planning this trip way back last year because some of our youth are going to Ensenada, Mexico, um, some of the orphanages that we've talked about um, and that sort of thing. We're going for a mission trip in June. And so Beverly and I decided that we were gonna go um, this earlier this year just to kind of work on some things that we wanted to get done. And so two weeks ago, I was getting ready to leave to get on my flight to Mexico. And I'm gonna be brutally honest with you and in full transparency, I did not want to get on the flight. I just didn't want to do it. And to be quite honest, I didn't really know why. I felt fear a little, which is odd because I've been to this part of Mexico. This will be my third time now. I've never felt fear before. I just felt really unsettled. And here's, here's where, if I'm in transparency, where I had, I've been at is 2023. I don't know about you guys, but 2023 for me personally was a tough year. It was a year in which I could only, the only word I adequately know how to describe it is it just was a year of grieving. 
There were some things that I was wrestling through personally, some things that I had been praying for, some things that I have been wanting, some things that I think were even good. And I've been praying and asking God, you know, God, why is it that I'm still praying these same prayers? I thought by now you'd answer this. How many of you ever been there? Or you feel like, why am I still praying the same thing and I was so frustrated and I talked to Pastors Reagan and Joy at the end of last year and I was just like, this has just been a tough year. And I just, it feels like grief. It's the only way I can really put it into words. And I think that this was some of what was shaping getting on this plane. I just didn't wanna go to Mexico. I just didn't wanna go. But nevertheless, the flights were booked and everything was planned. So off to Mexico, I went, flew there, landed in Tijuana, and um, we stayed at a missions base for the first couple of days in Tijuana. And we were gonna do some odds and ends things there. And the, the first morning that we were there, it was Monday morning, I woke up and um, was just praying and asking the Lord, like, God, like, I, I, don't, I still don't wanna be here. I don't know why I don't wanna be here. I have felt so much just push from this trip. Whatever it is that you wanna show me, you do it. Well, how many, how many of you guys know if you pray that prayer, God, God will, he will do it. And so we got up that morning and we were reading our Bibles and Beverly came to me and said, hey, if you're up for it, there's a possible adventure. And I'm like, well, okay, let's do it. I love adventure. And so this couple who works at YWAM, specifically they work with a missional outreach that this YWAM base has called Homes of Hope. And essentially what Homes of Hope does is they go out into the community in Tijuana, Rosarita, and in Ensenada, and they build homes for people who apply to have homes built for them. As you can imagine, the parts of Mexico that we were in are incredibly impoverished, horrible poverty. And so this organization comes in, they ask people, teams, to raise the money that is needed for the cost of the house, to fly there, and then to build it. Actually, this past November, I was able to be a part of a team from New Hope and Project 143 that went down into Tijuana and we built a house. It was an incredible experience, but this couple came to us and they work for Homes of Hope and they were like, hey, if you're up for an adventure, we have one for you. We're actually gonna go do a follow-up visit with a family who's received a home. They received a home three or four months ago. And typically we like to go and follow up with them, see how the home is, make sure everything is good, and just check in with them and pray with them. And so we were so excited. So in the van we went up these rocky hills. We were in like parts of you know Mexico where there's no power, there's nothing. I mean, we were trying to figure out even how to get to this house because there was really no way. There was like big holes in the roads. And finally we made our way there. And we get out of the car and we meet this most beautiful woman. Her name was Miss Alicia. And I think we have a photo of her. And um, Miss Alicia was just really radiant. When we got there, she was so excited. And I don't even know if she knew that we were coming, but I can tell you this, she was really excited that we were there. And so the couple that we were with, they know fluent Spanish. And so they were asking her, hey, do you mind if we come in? We just wanted to check in with you, see the house. And we would love to hear your story. These two women would love to hear, you know, your story of how your house was built. And so Miss Lisa was like, absolutely, come on then. And so we were able to sit at her dining room table and from across each other, we just started asking her questions. And so the couple that we were with, they just started out, Miss Alicia, how do you like your home? And I mean, almost immediately, she started sobbing. I mean, tears were just flowing from her cheeks. And she was like, I love this house. And she started sharing about her story and how she even came to apply for a, a home with Homes of Hope. And Miss Alicia actually got married a long time ago when she was very young to a man and whom she loved. 
And she thought they were gonna spend the rest of their lives together and they were gonna be happy. Well, come to find out her husband got involved in some really hard things. He became an alcoholic, he was using drugs and home became very, very difficult for her. He was increasingly drunk every single night. He stopped working. She was working solely to be able to support him and their family. She has three kids. And it got so bad that she had to end up pulling her kids out of school so that all of them could work to help them just afford the basic necessities of life like groceries and to help him buy what he needed because he was addicted. And she said, this kind of led into physical abuse that he started to begin to physically abuse her. He said, she said, one night she got home and she and her daughter had been working all day selling clothes, used clothes that they were finding. And her husband had come in and he was very drunk and he started beating Miss Alicia. And she said she was crying and she was praying like, God, like, can, can you take us out of this? Like, I don't wanna be in this anymore. And she said that night, Her husband had done something that he had not done before, and that was this. Not only did he physically abuse her, he ended up physically abusing their 16-year-old daughter. She said when he finally passed out because he was so drunk, she prayed and she said, God, I cannot live like this anymore. And so in the middle of the night, Miss Lisa grabbed all of her stuff and she set out. She didn't even know where she was going except for that. She knew she had family in Ensenada in the Tijuana area. And so she made her way into Tijuana And she ended up, for the first several months, they ended up having to live with cousins that they had. Now, this house that they lived in, they showed us, because it was far from the property, but it was, I mean, calling it a shack would be generous. It was some plywood boards with some tarp, and there would be eight, nine of them in this one little building, this you know, this building to be able to sleep at night. And she said there were so many of them, they would just have to lean back to be able to sleep. They didn't have beds or anything like that. And she said she would pray every night, God, can you help us? Can you provide? I know that you're real. Your word says that you're real. We need you to provide. And she said one day someone told her about Homes of Hope. And so she went online and she applied for a house. Well, several months later, Miss Alicia ended up getting approval of this house build. And about three or four months ago, a team from America flew all the way over to Tijuana and they built this house that she's standing in front of. And it's beautiful. She loves this house. This house wouldn't be necessarily what you and I would consider to be anything special, but to her, it's everything. And we're sitting in her house at her dining room table and she just is talking to us about her house and the couple that were with asked her, Miss Alicia, what has this house done for you? Like, how, what, has this, what does this house mean for you? And this is what she said, and I wrote it down because I just never wanna forget her words. She said, and I quote, I see this house and I know that God exists because every day we wake up happy and we wake up grateful. I pray that God would help me and he sent you guys to build me a house And now I can send my kids back to school. I can go to sleep in a bed. My kids can go to sleep in a bed. My kids can sing if they want to. They were unable to sing for so long because they were just living in a really small space. And we know that we are safe every single night. I will now help everyone that I know. And I tell my kids every day, God has blessed us. We have been blessed, so we have to keep going so that we can bless others. 
And it was at a kitchen table at a small house in Tijuana where I realized exactly why it is that I didn't wanna go to Tijuana, Mexico and why I needed to be there. Because as I sat across from her, I realized very quickly how I had gotten things so wrong. That 2023 was a tough year and it still is. But what had happened for me in 2023, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this before either, but there was a turning of my focus to the inward things. That I was, all I could think about was what I didn't have and what I'd been praying for and the ways that God wasn't coming through. And before I knew it, I was sitting across from Miss Alicia and I realized like, I have got, my focus is off. My focus has gotten off. And today, I wonder if there are some of us who are sitting in the room and you would say the exact same thing. That maybe your focus is a little off. That maybe if you were honest, you would say, I, I, I am a little inward focused too. I don't know that I would say that my focus is outward. But here's what Jesus said when he said that command. He said, here's, what I, here's the greatest commands is that you love me with everything with all of your heart, all of your mind, all your soul, all of your strength, and that you would love others as yourself. There is this inward and outward focus that Jesus is making us very well aware of. That this is not about, this is not about me and all that I can do and God can do for me, but that this is a life that we're called to live, that he, he, he beckons us to live and it is this outward focused life. And I wonder if today, maybe what we all need to do is we need to evaluate ourselves a little bit. Because the goal of this series has been that if we're truly living a life of faith, then we are living a life where we cannot be the center of it. We can't do it. If we're living the faith correctly, we are not at the center. And yet, we all live in this world and our culture is aggressively beating a message to us that it is all about you. We live in one of the most selfish cultures ever where it is about self, you, you can be self-centered, you should please yourself, gratify yourself any chance that you get, you should be self-indulging, do it. If it feels good, do it, you know? Like as long as you're not hurting anybody. Self-promoting. And so we're all living in this tension, right? Because if we're going to live in God's kingdom, because Jesus said to that man, you, you are very close to the kingdom, understanding that it is about loving me with everything and it is about loving people. You are very close. So we live in this tension because the reality is, if we're all honest, it is very easy to live a life that is inward focused. In fact, this is the natural drift for us as humans. I don't think any of us in this room intend to live inward focused. The problem is, is it just happens naturally because we all have this inward bent toward selfishness. Ask a toddler. <laughs> How many of you have been with a toddler recently? What's their favorite word? Mine, yeah. A toddler doesn't have to learn how to be selfish, it's innate. Because there is this bend in us because of sin and our nature is to drift towards being inward focused. 
But so we live in this tension. And today, what I hope that we're gonna do is that we're gonna self-evaluate, we're gonna self-assess. How many of you have ever had to take your car into the shop? I recently had to do it, it is no fun. In fact, it is the worst part of being a car owner. But I had to take it into the shop because my car decided that it didn't wanna go into park or drive or let the key out, so here we went. And um, what they do when you take your car to a, a car shop is they do what's called a diagnostic test. Now what they will do is they'll take your car, they'll plug it up to the machines, the machines will go in and it'll look at it and what it does is it figures out where, where it's gone wrong. Like what's not good about, it's not working properly, this isn't how it was designed to do. And I think for all of us, this is what we need to do today. We need to do a diagnostic self-test. Are we living inward focused or are we living outward focused? And I think if we're honest, a lot of us in this room we're probably living way more inward focused than we'd like because it's actually just really, really easy to do. But here's what I can tell you is that God, he will not change who you're pretending to be, but he will change who you are. So if we're honest today and we give it to him, our expectation is that God can speak to us and we can be transformed. As I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about, Back in 2010, I don't know how many of you guys remember this, but I was in my early 20s and I was in college and I remember our professor talking about this, this news kind of article that was coming out because it was making a big ruckus. But in 2010, Haiti, the country of Haiti had a horrible, horrible earthquake. It was massive, incredibly destructive. They said, in fact, that it, was, it killed approximately like 150 to 200,000 people. Many people were crushed under rubble. And it was already, it's already an incredibly impoverished nation, so tons of poverty. And at the time, Royal Caribbean Cruise Line had owned a piece of a beach in Haiti. They called it Labadee Beach. And one of their excursions on this specific cruise line would be that they would go to Haiti. Now this earthquake had just happened. They had a scheduled port stop a week later and they had been debating, should we go or should we not? Well, unfortunately, the cruise line decided that, yeah, we should go. And so the cruise ended up porting at this little beach in Haiti. And I will never forget my professor putting this photo up on the screen. And this photo shows that the cruise ship coming up and literally people, people said that you could hear the screams of Haitian people in the long distance. And yet people were diving out, enjoying the water, laying out at the beach. And while that seems about as grotesque as possible to all of us, right? There's nobody in the room that's going, eh, it's not a big deal. Those people had no clue. They had no clue. And that's what happens when we've become inward focused. It's almost as if from the outside, people can look in and say, hey, 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 something's wrong. But when you're living in it, it doesn't feel like anything's wrong. I, I, not, I can't really tell that inward focus is, is bad because I'm not really considering people anyways. And so this is why it's so incredibly important. So the question for us today is, are you living a life that's inward focused or are you living a life that's outward focused? Now, if we are gonna do a diagnostic test of ourselves, 
Here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at some indicators that you may indeed be living an inward focused life. We're gonna go through these very quickly, so just follow with me. But if we're gonna diagnostic, if we're gonna do a self-assessment, then these are some things that we need to look at. These are some ways we can know whether or not our, the focus of our life is inward or if it's outward. So you may be living an inward focused life if number one, people have either become a bother to you or have become invisible to you altogether. Let me ask you a question. Where are you at when it comes to people? Let me put it this way. Do you love people? And this is a question that only you can answer and you have to really dig deep. I think most of us would say, yeah, sure, I love people. And then if I kept drilling it down, you'd be like, okay, well, maybe not them. But like, I love these people, you know? And then it's like, if we drilled it even down, it's like, okay, well, maybe not them or them, but for sure these people, right? Where are you at when it comes to loving people? Do you love them? Here's what I can tell you, that God unequivocally loves people. He loves people. He loves his creation. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Romans 5, 8 says, for while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love and that he sent his son Jesus to down a cross for us. God loves people. Where are you at? Are people annoying you? Do you feel like there are places in your life where if you're honest, you don't really have a love for people? If you are struggling with a love for people, this is a great indicator. These are some things to look for. Do you find yourself avoiding people at all costs? Do you find that you don't have a lot of grace for people? Do you find that you're more annoyed at people than usual? When you're driving and traffic is backed up, are you frustrated and honking or do you ever even consider that somebody may be hurt in this situation? Do you find that most people irritate you? Do you have a, for, a short fuse when it comes to people? Do you write people off easily? When we have, when humanity, when people have either become a bother to us or invisible at all, these are some of the ways in which it looks. This is a great indicator that we're living an inward focused life. If we don't have a love for people, there's no way that we can live our lives focused outward. The second thing is, your comfort has become your highest priority. Now let me tell you this, comfort in and of itself is not necessarily bad. The pursuit of comfort over everything else in your life is incredibly spiritually dangerous. And so many of us do it. So many of us are living our lives and what we wanna protect at all costs is our own comfort. We don't wanna do anything if it costs us. If it means that we have to be uncomfortable, if we have to go without, if it means that we would have to like make a bold step, we will not do it. That is a great indicator that your life has become inward focused and it's all about you. It's all about how you feel and how it makes you and you making decisions about yourself. And oftentimes this is what this looks like. I won't take bold steps of faith because of what it might cost me. In all decisions, in all decision making that I'm doing, me is central. You can't remember the last time that God met you in a crazy way. You know why? Because you haven't put yourself out there for him to do it. You are apathetic spiritually, you're not growing. 
It, if it will inconvenience you at all, you will not do it. And you think about yourself more than you think about others. Let me tell you something. Comfort in our spiritual walk is incredibly dangerous. It happens slowly and over time and it will absolutely rob us. Number one, it minimizes our need for God. Number two, it keeps us in dysfunction and eventually it will rob us entirely and distract us from the plan that God has for us. His plan is to use you on this earth so that people could know him. If you become distracted and if comfort is the greatest thing you're seeking, you will never do what God's called you to do, ever. Because I can guarantee you that the life that God has called you to live has nothing to do with your comfort, although he loves you. Because when I read the word, it talks about us dying to ourselves daily, us taking up our cross and following him. There is nothing about that statement that seems comfortable to me. And yet so many of us, this is what we're focused on and it causes us to become inward focused. Number three, your problems are growing, but your world is shrinking. If I could ask you in this room, how many of us have problems? We all probably would raise our hands. Like, right, all of us have problems. All of us are going through trials. All of us are going through hard times. In fact, Jesus himself said, in this world, you're gonna have troubles. Like, that, that is what happens. We live in a fallen world, of course, but we have things that we're going through. And the problem necessarily isn't the trials. In fact, the book of James will say we should consider it joy when we go through trials because actually we're gaining some perseverance and we know that we're gonna be complete and mature, not lacking anything because we're gonna, you know, we're gonna stead, be steadfast in the Lord. However, the problem with pro our problems is when we allow them to grow without any perspective. Do you get what I'm saying here? Let me, give you this, let me give you this example. So as I was thinking about this, I was thinking of horses. Um, so horses, if you've ever seen a horse, I think we're gonna have a photo up here. Um, if horses are pulling carriages and or they're on the, the farmland farming and pulling machinery, or even if they're being used in races, they will put a guard, they're called blinders, on the eyes of the horses. Do you see? It's on either side of the, the, oh, the horse's eyes. Do you know what the purpose of the blinder is? The purpose of the blinder is, is to keep the horse focused on one thing. The reason why is because horses are incredibly spooked animals. They spook very easily. They can even spook with another horse standing next to them. They can spook at machinery. And so it is imperative that if they're going to, you know, work at their best function, that they can only see what they can see, okay? That works for horses. But here's the problem spiritually, is that when we go through trials and we have troubles, what happens if we're not careful and if our life has become inward focused, all we will focus on is the problem, we all know those people and or have been those people because when you're around them, all they do is talk about their problems. And it's okay, we all go through them. The problem is that when we don't have perspective that yes, I might be going through problems, but look at this. I might be struggling here, but look at this. Look at how God's moving here. Look at what other people in the rest of the world, look at how they live. If this is an area for you, this is kind of what this will look like. Is your tendency to look at and rehearse all the things that are going bad in your life. 
That is the, that's typically what you're doing in your brain. It's just everything that's going wrong. Do you find that you complain more than you don't complain? Do you find yourself judging others and comparing their problem with yours? You have a hard time having compassion for people because in your mind, when they start to tell you the things they're struggling with, all you're thinking of is, yeah, but let me they, they only knew what I was going through. So you can't even have compassion for people. It's not even possible to fully love people and to be outward focused because all you're thinking about is if only people knew. Like no one knows my sorrow. Or maybe do you find that your solution is just to put your head down and just worry about yourself. Like, that's what I'm doing. I don't really care about what's going on. I have enough problems of my own. I'm just gonna put my head down and just keep going. The last indicator that maybe your life is turned inward focused is that you are not living a life consistently pursuing Jesus. Here's the deal. If you are not reading your word if you are not praying, if you are not worshiping, and I'm talking about outside of a Sunday, there is a high, high likelihood that your life has become inward focused. Because here's the deal. As Christians, when we receive salvation, the goal after that is that we would be transformed. There is a process that we enter called sanctification. It means that we need to look more and more like Jesus. We shouldn't be staying where we're at. Well, how do we transform? The word. God is what transforms us. It's the word of God. It's I look at my life and I look at the word and I say, God, help me to be more like you. If you're not ever in the word, then there's a high likelihood that transformation has been paused in your life. And if you are not being transformed and you're not in the word where you're seeing the fact that Jesus lived his life for others, that's all he did. In fact, he said the son of God didn't come to be served, but to serve. And if we're supposed to look more and more like him, if we're not inputting in what he's like, then chances are we're not shifting. So then we just become more and more and more in ourselves. Oftentimes this looks like this. It's not a high priority to have spiritual disciplines. Only going to God when I need something. I'm thinking about God very little in my day-to-day -day life. Very rarely comes up. I'm making decisions and I'm living without ever considering what he would want from me. And I'm spiritually stagnant. These are some indicators, these four things are indicators that maybe, just maybe, if we were to be honest in evaluating ourselves, that maybe our life have shifted into an in, inward focus. So, what do we do, okay? When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, um, there is a, a body of water called the Dead Sea. Has anybody ever heard of the Dead Sea? Raise your hand. Um, we actually have a photo of it. It's really beautiful. It's actually located in the Middle East in Jordan. And it is a very popular tourist destination. Many people flock to the Dead Sea because the waters are beautiful, but mostly because there's such a high salt concentration in this area. In fact, the salt concentration is so high that when you get in the water, your body actually will just naturally float. There's said to be a lot of healing properties in the water and in the mud. And so lots of people flock to this sea, this body of water. 
And as cool as it looks and as many people want to visit it as they do, can I tell you the problem with the Dead Sea? Is that it's dead. There's a reason why it's called the Dead Sea. It's called the Dead Sea because there are no living, um, there's no life inside of the Dead Sea. There's no animals swimming around in it. There's no you know, coral growing in it. In fact, the only thing they've been able to find in the Dead Sea is some bacteria. That's the only thing growing there. Do you know why the Dead Sea is, is like this? Why there's such a high salt concentration? Is because it gets its water from the Mediterranean Sea. So there's already this high salt concentration of water coming in and then it has no output. So this, this sea, this body of water, this lake is not flowing into something else. Therefore, it's only getting this and there it is. There's just lots and lots of salt water. Because in order for a body of water to be functioning and living and healthy and thriving, it has to have input and then it has to have output. It's what makes it moving. And so if all of us in this room, if we could collectively say, there's probably ways that we need to grow in, in, in the sense of like we're, we're, we are struggling to be inward focused, then what we need is we need output. So how do we live a life of outward focus? What does that look like for us? Well, the first thing that it looks like, it looks like we serve people. It looks like we serve people. One of my most favorite stories in the Bible is actually found in John chapter 13. And Jesus is meeting with his disciples. In fact, they're going into this room. They're about to have a Passover meal. And at this point, he's told his disciples over and over again, listen, I'm going to be crucified. It's gonna happen. I've been telling you of the things that are gonna come and, and, it, and the time is almost near. And the disciples are like, no, no, no. We don't wanna hear that. We don't wanna hear that. Like, it's not what we're trying to talk about. And Jesus, because they've been arguing at this point, there've been comments made about like, who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom. They're arguing about who's gonna be on his left and his right. And all these things are happening. And Jesus, in this most scandalous, most beautiful act, he stands up at the table. He takes off his outer clothes. He wraps an apron around himself. And the king of the universe, fully God, fully man, King Jesus, who is above all things, who knows that he will die on a cross for sinners who do not deserve anything. He takes the lowly position of bending down to wash their feet. In fact, the disciples are so up in arms. They're like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't like, because this act was actually reserved for the lowliest of servants in the house. Not just any servant would do this act. It was actually the lowliest ones. Because as you can imagine back then, when all you had to wear were sandals, feet were really, really dirty. And here, the host of this gathering, the King Jesus has lowered himself and he begins to wash their feet. And John 13, 13 through 15 says, Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. If you wanna know the life that God has called you to, it's this outward facing life and it is a life of service to people. 
It looks like us being unselfish and humble and taking the position to serve, but it also requires that we have initiative. Jesus didn't wait back to serve them. He took the initiative to do it. And Jesus is saying, this is your example. If you wanna know the kind of life you're to be living, I have set an example for you, now do it. We're called to serve people. If you wanna know what the purpose of your life is, it's to serve people. So my question today is, who are you serving? Are you actively engaged where you're serving people? Now, let me just say this. It does not mean that it's only reserved for inside of this church, although we're gonna get there. This means that I wake up every day and I say, God, I am your servant. Help me to serve those around me. It is a perspective. It is a mindset. This isn't just something that we do occasionally. It is a mindset that Jesus is asking us to have. That means that wherever I go, whether I walk into my school, I walk into my workplace, I walk into my church, I walk into the grocery store, I am a servant. I'm not having to wait to see if I should be doing or what I should be doing. I just know I'm a servant. So I'm gonna do what servants do. I'm looking for a need. That's what servants do, right? Now, here's what I can tell you though. One of the greatest ways to put a systematic approach to this is to serve in this house. In fact, there are many teams that we have. We call it our dream team. And those are the people who are sitting in this room, some of you, who serve weekly on a team here at New Hope. And I will tell you this, it's one of the best things that you can possibly do. If you are looking to live an outward focused life, you should be serving. If you're not serving in the house, and this is the house that you're a part of, this would be a great next step for you. And let me tell you, it's amazing for us that you would serve with us, but it's even better for you. This is actually for you. It's why Jesus wants us to do it. Not because, you know, we just need all these people, you know, working, although we do, right? It is because he knows what's best for you. And he knows the best life that you can live is one in which you are serving people, where you are letting yourself not be the primary focus and your focus is on other people. We look more like him when we're serving people than any other time. And let me tell you, we have a lot of need in this house. We have our experience teams, which is our greeters and our first time guest desk. We have our tech team, our worship team, our New Hope kids team, our New Hope youth team, our safety and security team. There are lots of teams and we need you. There are lots of needs that we have in this house. We need small group leaders. We need people who will greet people at the door and all of it matters. You know why? Because whether or not you know this, every single Sunday, every single Wednesday night at youth, every single Thursday at City Kids, there are people coming in the door who are far from God and they need somebody to tell them that Jesus loves them, to give them a hug and a smile. And so it matters. And in fact, when you came in this morning, there's a card on your seat. I'm sure some of you have seen it. That is a QR code for our Dream Team application. For some of you today, this is the next step. If you're gonna live an outward focused life, this would be the next step for you. And that would be just to fill out the card and take your step. Here's what I know is that God will meet you in every place. The second thing, if we're gonna live an outward focused life, 
is we are called to share our faith. Acts 1.8 says, Jesus is saying this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You are called to share your faith. And I know, I know what happens when we start talking about this because this can make some of us a little nervous, right? We're like, but I'm awkward. <laughs> um, but talking to people scares me. What if they ask me a question and I don't know it? What if they're asking me about the bowls in the book of Revelation? I'm like, I didn't know there were bowls, you know? Like, I don't know. You know, and I, I get it. Actually, I totally get it. But can I tell you this? Some of you in here, you are waiting for the right points for someone to give you to make sharing your faith easier. But can I tell you what will make sharing your faith easier is you falling in love with Jesus. You need to fall in love with him because can I tell you this, what you value most will be the first thing and the, and the biggest thing that you talk about. You know how I know that? Talk to a new grandparent. Just talk to one. Let me tell you something. Every new grandparent that I've ever met, I don't have to ask them about the grandchild. It comes up naturally. They can't wait to tell you about their grandkid. In fact, they have a million photos to show you and I love it. You know why? It's because what we value most, we talk about most often. For some of us, we're wondering, why is it so hard for me to share my faith? Let me tell you, that's a really good indicator that you just need to fall more and more in love with Jesus. Because can I tell you this? The more I realize how I, I is so not deserving and how sinful I am, and yet God would send his son to die on the cross for me, that he would give me eternal life, that he would then actually give me giftings that I could use to help advance his kingdom. The more I think about that and all that God's done for me and how much I don't deserve any of it and can't do any of it without him, the more I wanna tell other people about this gift, this gift of reconciliation. Let me tell you, for, I mean, if you love Jesus in this room, the reality is when you read the Bible, there is a very, it is very clear that the heaven and hell are realities that one day all of us are gonna die. We don't know when that's gonna happen. We don't know how that's gonna happen, but it is appointed for us that that's gonna happen. And so many of us who are saved in here, we're so excited about this fact because we know that we're gonna get to go to heaven. And so what happens is, is that we sit back and we rest on that fact and we just love it. And we just love to tell people, like, I can't wait till I go to heaven, you know? All the while, there is tons and tons and tons of people who, if that is true, will go to hell, which is eternal suffering and eternal separation from God. And I don't know about you, but when I think about the realities of heaven and hell, it breaks my heart for humanity. So then when I'm sitting in a restaurant and a waitress looks like she's had the worst day of her life, why wouldn't I tell her, can I pray for you? It costs me nothing. And it means everything. But the question is, do we really believe this? Because I think what's happened is that most of us have assumed that this is reserved for other people, special people, people who are really good with people and people who are really good with their words. Let me tell you something. When I read the word, none of us get out of this. None of us. You are called to share your faith. And my question is, when is the last time you did it? When is the last time that you had that feeling where you knew that you knew that God wanted you to share him with someone and you were kind of nervous and like the butterflies are happening and you, and, and you do it and it's like this beautiful moment. When is the last time? 
This is how, as Christians, we are to live all the time. This isn't supposed to be a one-time occurrence every so often that we talk about like folklore. This is supposed to be our day-to-day. Let me tell you about how I, who I talked to today. Let me tell you the people that I loved on today. Let me tell you about this person that I told them I was gonna pray today. And let me tell you, in my experience, people are, they're so broken and in need. They just want someone to care about them. The third thing that we do to live an outward focused life is we practice hospitality. Romans 12, nine through 13 says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in, your, in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Let me ask you this. When I say, or when you read practice hospitality, what, do, what is the picture that you get? What do you think of? Because I think for most of us, our immediate thought is, oh good, she wants me to invite people into my house. Do you know how long it's gonna take me to clean it? It's gotta be perfect. I need a perfect house and I'm gonna invite people into it. And not only that, I've gotta have like the best menu. I have to wow them with my cooking. Like, you know, and I have to make sure that there are no allergies and you know, everybody's just got so many allergies and my house just needs to be perfect and pristine. And what we have made to be hospitality is actually just entertaining. That's just having a dinner party. But practicing hospitality, the Greek word for hospitality in that passage literally translated means a love for strangers. That is the call for all of us. You know why? Because once we were strangers, once we were far from God and we didn't know him, and yet God calls us in into a family And so Paul is admonishing these people and us today, we have to practice hospitality. It's not something that's gonna come easily. We're not all gonna sit here and go, you know what, I'm just gonna, it has to be a practice. My question is, when's the last time you opened your home to someone who was far from God, who was very different than you, and you just asked them over and you sat across from a table and you just heard their story? And for a moment, you invited a stranger into a relationship because that's what it means when we practice hospitality. It's inviting people in to be a part. The thing is, is that you can do that whether you own a house, a townhome, a condo, an apartment, whether you live with your parents, wherever you're at, the invitation still is for us to practice it because it literally means to invite people in. When's the last person that you've invited in? Someone you didn't really know. And the goal was to make them feel apart. The last way that we live a life of outward focus is that we live generously. This last story, when we were in in Mexico this this past week, we, we got done with Tijuana and then we went down into Ensenada and we were with, um, uh, Jennifer is this woman, she's a missionary at the orphanage that we were at, but she also has an organization called Blessing Bags International. And so when Beverly and I went, we knew that we wanted to go with her because what she does is she goes up into the hills of Ensenada. Ensenada is very mountainous. And she goes up into these hills, which are where all these unreached people live. 
There's tons of tribal people and, I mean, just stunning just views that you can see, but I mean, incredible poverty. Poverty unlike anything I've ever seen. And I, I feel like I've seen a lot of it. And so she was really excited because we had bags of groceries that we were gonna be bringing and giving away. And so we go up into the hills and we start giving out these bags of groceries and um, all these people are really loving it and they're feeling like really grateful and it's just this beautiful thing and we're getting to pray with people and um, it's just this most amazing time. And Jennifer says to us, well, I'm really excited to take you to a woman. Her name is Miss Flavia, and I can't wait for you to meet her. She's one of my favorites. And so we got into the van, and we were making our way up these long roads without, you know, full of potholes. And so we're just kind of shifting around in the van. And we get to Miss Flavia's house, and it's really, really small, but very, very, very beautiful. And it's not much inside. It's basically just a concrete floor and some walls. But inside of her home, she had two tables that were stretched out and it was full of food. And Jennifer told us, Miss Flavia knew that you guys were coming. So she decided to start saving so that she could feed you. And you can imagine, I'm like, what? This woman who had no idea who we were. She's never met us before ever. And she decided in a moment that she was going to save up so that she could feed us. She made us tortillas and beans and rice and this pork dish and it was wonderful. And we all sat around in her little kitchen. Really, it was just like her little house. We were on the ground and we just were listening to her story. And I just think, man, we've got it all backwards, don't we? When it comes to generosity because I think I've never experienced a generosity quite like Miss Flavia's in my life. And I feel like I'll always remember it because for her, it was whatever I have, you can have it. Like come in. She wasn't stingy or holding anything back. In fact, Jennifer said that she said to her that she had been making tortillas since 5 a.m. We didn't get to her place until 1 p.m. That's what she was doing with her whole day because she couldn't wait to serve two girls from America with her food. And I think, how are we living? Are you living in a way that is generous? Are you living in a way where your life is like, God, whatever you put in my hand, whatever you decide to give me, it is yours. You can have it and you can do whatever you want with it. That is the life that God has called us to live. He wants us to live generously. In fact, Paul, in the book of Acts, he says, remember the words of Jesus, for it is better to give than to receive. There is something about generosity that can shift everything. If you're sitting in here and, you're, and you know that the life you have been living has been very in, inward focused, you have been worried about your problems and you've been worried about things that are going on at your house, you've been worried about all these issues, financial things, let me tell you something, God knows your need, he knows. And in the midst of it, what he's saying is, I want you to open up your hands and let me have my way. It is living everything that I have, you can have, God. My talents, my time, my resources, everything is yours. That's the way that God has designed us to live. It is the best way to live. We're gonna close. I want you to stand with me. I think in a, in a message like this, my prayer for you, 
my prayer for all of us really, is that we would do something. Sometimes we can come on a Sunday morning and we can hear some words and be inspired in a moment. But my question is, is how will this change the way that you live? Because the life that God has called you to live is one in which it is outward focused. So today, if you would say, you know what, I'm really struggling, I'm really inside of myself. All all I can think about is the things that are going on in my life. Today, the prayer would be, God, help me to see, give me perspective. Help me to see what I can't. If it's comfort, man, ask the Lord to help you get rid of it, to go in the opposite direction of it. If it's maybe you're sitting in here and you're like, I've lost my love for people. God can give you a love for people. All you have to do is ask for it. And then my next challenge would be, what is the step for you today? For some of you, it's to serve. It's a team to serve on. For some of you, it's a person to love on and to share your faith with. There's someone in your life that you know God has put there and you know that he's asking you to share your faith and you time and time again, you you just, you get nervous and so you never do it. Maybe there's someone God wants you to invite in. Maybe God wants you to have a dinner party. Maybe there's someone that's close to you who is not like you and God's asking you, I want you to sit across from them and ask them about yourself, themselves. I want you to practice evangelism in this way. Or maybe for some of us, it is we need to live with our hands open. And what we've been doing with God is like this. And what God is saying, no, 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 I want them open. Let me give you what you need and let me also use you. So I'm gonna pray for you. Lord, we love you today, God. You are so good in this place. And Lord, we ask that you, Lord, would move in our lives. God, I pray for every person that's in here, God, who would say, yes, my life has been very inward focused. It's not been my intent and I didn't even know it, but that is where I have drifted. And Lord, today, would you help them? God, would you give them tangible steps? God, for some of us, it is literally moving in an opposite direction. Maybe for some of us, there are some bold steps that we need to take. Maybe we need to be generous in areas. Maybe we need to sign up and serve on a team, God. Whatever it is, Lord, would you give us the strength and the boldness to step out and do it, knowing that you're gonna be faithful to meet us there. Lord, would our lives collectively in this place, would it look like you? Your word says that they will know that we're your disciples by our love. So Lord, would we go out into our communities, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our schools, and Lord, would we look like you? Would people know who you are because they've been around us, Jesus? Help us, Lord. Help us to keep an outward focus, Lord. And show us, Lord, every time where our temptation is to drift back into an inward focus, Jesus. We love you. We ask it all in your name. Amen.